It was very startling when an angel appeared before me, declaring that I was the favored one and that God was with me. I had never been so scared in my life. But the angel reassured me that I didn't have to be afraid, that God was with me. I didn't understand how, how I could be the favored one. You see, I'm just a young girl from an ordinary family. I have no special training, no, no title. Why would God choose me? I could hardly believe what he was saying. That this angel said that I would conceive a son, and that I am to name him Jesus. That this baby would be called the son of the most high, and that he would sit on the throne of David. He stated that Jesus, my baby, would be the ruler over Jacob's kingdom, and that there'd be no end to his kingdom. <laughs> I didn't know how all this could happen. I questioned Gabriel, the angel, and he, he said to me that the Holy Spirit would come upon me, that the Most High would overshadow me. <laughs> it was a lot to take in. So many thoughts were racing through my mind. How could this happen? What would Joseph think of me? Surely people would be assuming the worst that I didn't even really know if I could do this. There must be someone else that would be more qualified, more suited for this role than I am. But then I thought about God's promises to his people about how this baby, Jesus, he would be the Messiah, the promised one that we've been waiting for for years. In the midst of all these overwhelming feelings, I couldn't help but think, God, please help me, give me the strength. And with a peace that I cannot explain, I said to the angel, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be done to me according to your word. I knew it wouldn't be easy. It hasn't been easy. <laughs> but how could I refuse the Lord? My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. Good morning. So who would have believed that a teenage girl would be a central person to bring forth the God's ultimate answer to humanity's destructive conclusion? A humanity that has been on a path of destruction ever since the fall in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve decided to disobey God's command to eat the perfect forbidden fruit. They set in motion a cascade of consequences which we have inherited as humans. And we continue in Adam and Eve's footprints and we need a savior to help us find a destiny that isn't without God. Would you join me as we open our time to share? Heavenly Father, I pray that you will Open our minds, open our hearts to hear your word that speaks to us and reveals your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. 
I'm going to preach out of a very well-known passage in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. It's from the monologue that we've just seen here today. And it's the story of a young teenage girl who was visited by an angel, and she was given a very unique and challenging role and mission on earth. It's the story of Jesus' mother, Mary, and what she experienced that fateful day over 2,000 years ago. So let's read that passage. I'm going to read from the New International Version, and it will be up there on the screen for you to read, or you can use your device to read along with me. Verse 26 of chapter 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, to, the town, to a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. God is, the Lord God is with you. And Mary was very troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting that might, this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary answered the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Before we begin to take a closer look at this passage, I would like us to draw back the lenses of this portion of Scripture and to give us some contrast and context to the time and place that this occurred. Also a picture of what it must have been like for Mary and Joseph during the culture and society that Mary lived in. We have been given some of that context from the previous messages we've heard in this month of Advent. We heard about the life of Simeon, who waited for the fulfillment of the prophecy of a Messiah, Jesus. The story of Joseph, Jesus' father, who received a message from an angel to support and wed this virgin girl who was pregnant with a child, and his name was to be Jesus. And last week, we heard 
about the experience of the shepherds and how they were brought into the story of the Messiah, Jesus. Back in those days, it was a bare-bones existence where there was a class distinction, and it was very real. There were the rich and the powerful and the rulers of the day, the Romans, the religious class, the Pharisees and the priests, and then there were the poor peasants of that mainly Jewish culture. It would have been fair to say that Mary and Joseph were the peasants of that culture, and Mary was socially at the near the bottom of the social class and of influence. She was a woman and a young girl at that who didn't have much say in how her life would occur or turn out. Others made decisions for her, and she had to follow their wishes in their culture. It's my assumption, however, that since we see them living a pretty day-to-day existence from the description we have from the Bible. So let's leave that picture for now, and let's look back some scenes back before in Luke 1, before the angel visits Mary, about six months before. And as we read in the beginning of Luke 1, that same angel, Gabriel, he visits, who visits Mary, appears to Zechariah. Zechariah, sorry, is the priest and relative of Mary. We understand that Elizabeth is probably Mary's cousin. We are told by Luke, the author of this gospel, that Zechariah was a priest during the time of Herod, the king of Judea. And as a priest, he was trained and knows the Torah, the scriptures, very well. And most likely, he was in pretty good status amongst the religious elite. Zechariah also does a pretty important job and work in the temple. He's chosen to perform the burning of incense in the temple. And during this important burning of the incense in the temple, the angel appears to him. Zechariah and Elizabeth are told they will have a son who will be named John, who will become John the Baptist. And he would be then the second cousin of Jesus, who would go before and baptize others and eventually introduce Jesus in his new ministry and his role. Now that's pretty awesome news, we wouldn't think. One problem, however, Zechariah and Elizabeth are too old to physically bear children. It would have been a miracle from God for them to have a son. Many of us know the story. The angel Gabriel isn't too happy with Zechariah and made him mute. He couldn't speak until his son was born. Why? My point here is that this representative, this angel of God, isn't happy with Zechariah's response. Zechariah seems to doubt and question God. 
and he pays for it with this form of punishment. So why am I focusing on Zechariah? His reaction and response and his lack of trust. Because it's in contrast to the response of Mary, the young peasant girl. Now, the person you would think who knows more and is in a special religious role should have had faith and accepted this great news without doubt, right? Well, that's not how it happens in God's economy. It's not a matter of our knowledge or status or our role in society that determines our faith or our fate with God. I would like you, you to remember that for yourself. God doesn't look at your status or position in society to speak to you or to provide his blessing or favor to you. You are a beloved child of God because God loves you, not because of what you did or didn't do. It's not, it is by his grace you were saved and given his destiny and plans for your life. Now, when we go back and we look at this young teenage girl, Mary, in Luke 1, in our passage, we find her visited by this angel, Gabriel, and she is freaked out. Like we all would, right? Even Zachariah was freaked out by Gabe's visit. Gabriel reassures both of them, do not be afraid. Angels need to do that on a regular basis for us humans. It's not every day that an angel speaks to us. And fear isn't a bad thing that stops God from speaking to us. I think sometimes we think fear prevents God from showing up for us. It might be a sign of weakness in our faith. I know I struggle with that, that I don't have it all together inside. Now here's the distinction in the angel Gabriel's response to Mary from Zacharias. He says to Mary, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And later in that passage, when Mary is fearful, he says, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. Remember, she's only a young girl. It must have been terribly scary for her, emotionally. And now that big news. The angel says, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Jesus. Mary does ask, how could this occur since she's a virgin? But it isn't in doubt like Zachariah's response back to the angel. To me, there's a big difference because her response is later in this passage in verse 38. She says, I am the Lord's servant, and may your word be fulfilled. Wow. Where does this young girl find and receive such power to respond to this great and enormous task she's been given? I can imagine it's the Holy Spirit filling this young girl 
with his supernatural strength and capacity. She seems to have faith in God at this time in her life. Now I want to be cautious to say that Mary is not given some special power that is beyond her humanness. We are not to raise her up to some supernatural status in our faith. She's an ordinary girl who was used by God as a vessel of God's miraculous work on earth as Jesus' mother. The miracle of the virgin birth is the work of our triune God who brought our Savior Jesus into this world. I believe the next test for this young girl's faith and trust in God would come during her pregnancy and in her raising of her son. The stigma and the cultural shame that would have most likely followed her would be enormous. Women in Mary's day would have been shunned and lose their social status because she had conceived this baby without a proper marriage to Joseph. The story of Mary's virgin birth would have had been communicated at some time. And how did that impact her status in society? We only have to look to our world and society today. How would we be impacted? Our modernism today still fails in many fronts to face the scenarios similar to the one Mary had in her day. And then we see in the passage after this one, which starts in verse 39 in Luke, that Mary, she goes and visits Zechariah and Elizabeth in the hill country outside of her hometown of Nazareth. I wonder why she did this and didn't stay in Nazareth to share this great news. Luke in the Bible doesn't seem to say anything about Mary's family. You would think there would have been some references to her family at this special time, but nothing, not a thing. Makes me think she could have been cut out or shunned by her family and her culture and her community. It's only my speculation, but it seems plausible since the culture of her family and community took her situation very seriously. And she should have been stoned for conceiving a baby out of wedlock. But she ends up at her cousin's place, the household of a priest who had to visit had a visit from the same angel that she did. Zachariah, at this point, well, he's still speechless. Oh, yeah, a, a priest had the influence and the ability to stone Mary, but he didn't let it happen. Sounds like God is working in the life of Zechariah and might be providing this temporary sanctuary for her. Now, We roll back the clock to 1958 in my community where I was born in Edmonton. My mom and dad loved each other and in the passion of the moment, I was conceived. Problem was that mom and dad weren't married 
and in a desperate attempt to rectify this wrong, they married. And I was born December 12th, 1958, 64 years ago. I'm grateful to my mom and dad. They decided to keep me and to bring me into this world. It was not an easy time. The challenges beset their relationship all along. The timing of my entry into the world was kept pretty secret and silent because of the stigma and the shame that was in the culture and times back then. Well, mom had another stain in her life. She was a divorcee. In the 50s, the stigma of being a divorced woman was very evident. Mom had my, first, my brother with her first husband, so she would have been the mom of a young boy, divorced and now pregnant with me. Society and faith communities were not very friendly to women of this status. They were not during Mary's time either, and I would say they really haven't changed today. We've progressed some in accepting women in these circumstances, but judgment and marginalization still occur. We have used religious rules and actions to ostracize certain people. The shame of decisions and choices we've made in the past can cast a shadow on our lives, even in the midst of the, an encounter with the living God and a relationship with Jesus. It seems to me to play harder and harsher on the most vulnerable in our society. Who are the most stigmatized and vulnerable people group in our society today? The young Marys, who face the challenge of living with choices and decisions made for and against them. And then we have the responses of those who are on the other side looking at their lives of these vulnerable and hurting people. Now, I don't do a very good job at helping and looking at ways to bridge God's love to them. Our churches are sometimes the first places to cast judgment and shame on those in these circumstances. Whether it occurs by intention or unintentionally by religious processes we create, it still jeopardizes the safe communities we so deeply desire. So what's our response today? Well, first I want to apologize for how I act and respond to hurting people in our community and held back from providing love and support you need or needed when you required help. I can only offer my desire to follow through and better and seek to grow in my love for others in my context. And as a representative of a leader in a faith community, I wish to apologize for our actions as a faith community and will do within my realm to change the way we respond to the vulnerable in our community. Now maybe you see yourself needing to change as well in your response to the vulnerable people in our community and church. If you are a Mary 
or a Joe for that matter, then the message of hope I hope you hear is today from this message is that God speaks to you and he loves you. God wants you to know that a relationship with his son Jesus is possible and that you can hear the words, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Like Mary, Jesus' mother, I pray also that you will hear and receive the words, do not be afraid. I am with you to live out your destiny with God. Mom passed away in 2018 at age 90. I'm confident Mom was a faithful follower of Jesus as she showed through her serving heart and love for others. In spite of her background and her circumstances, she persevered to the end of her life. And I'm confident the Lord said, Welcome to my kingdom, faithful servant. So as we approach Christmas this week, I pray you will be reminded of the characters we've shared with you over this Advent season. Each one put their trust in God, believed in his plans and purposes. Each had a unique role and experience that God has used to communicate his love to each one of you. Possibly one or more of them you can identify with, and they will help you as you celebrate Christmas this year. And we would like to offer you an opportunity to respond to God's communicating to you. We have people that will come up front here at the end of our time today to pray with you and for you. Or you can pause and reflect at your seat as we close this service today. I'll give you a moment to do that, and then I'll close with some information for the coming week and a benediction. So just a reminder that next Sunday there is Christmas Day, but there is no service for us. But we do have a Christmas Eve services that please come and attend. And then on January 1st, we will have one service at 10 a.m. I'd leave you with this benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his place shine on you and be gracious to you. And the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Thank you.